Can we do that again? Yes, it is. <laughs> My god, late response from you guys. Hello, welcome to Hidden Among Us. Yay. Hello everyone. Hey. How's your week been? Um, I have more Animal Crossing stories. Oh no! What's what it this mean? time? What do you mean? Oh no! Okay, okay. So um, I don't know if I told y'all last week, but uh, one of my favorite um villagers moved out. His name was Shep. Yep, we okay. know. So literally the day after he moved out and the new villager moved in, this other villager that I didn't like asked to move out. So I was like, <laughs> if she had... Why did Tom Nook, why did the residential services ask Shep to move out when this villager wanted to move out all along? I was so pissed off. I was so angry. So yeah, mm-hmm. that's my Animal Crossing story. Um, she moved out and I'm happy. And um, another wolf villager moved in. Her name is Sky, and her catchphrase is airmail and she's very cute. Seems like an interesting week for you. <laughs> There's the mm, biggest very... response in history of responses. Can y'all at least be happy for my island? I can't wait to attend your wedding on Animal Crossing. <laughs> By the way, it's wedding season and Animal Crossing, so I have a. Are you serious? Of, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because June apparently it's is such a uh, thing. Yeah, because June apparently is wedding month, like wedding season or something. No, it's a okay. thing. It's a legit thing. I mean, there's a term called uh, June Bride. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, for the entire <laughs> wedding season, right? They have all these um special wedding stuff. So um, every day you have to go. To this. <laughs> so there's this one specific island where you can take pictures, right? And there's these two characters there, and basically every day you're supposed to help them take their like wedding pictures. So so there's a theme, and then you earn like these things for heart crystals, and then you can like buy some of the wedding equipment. So you can buy like a wedding cake. You can buy um benches and the wedding benches um you can buy a wedding organ okay nobody can see this but shed and honda are extremely disturbed (laughs) and giving me the fakest expressions ever so so you're actually (laughs) collecting heart crystals and preparing for your wedding oh yeah definitely also Mm. um i covered my entire island in this really ugly flower pattern because i'm trying to move my rocks to form them in a circle i'm trying to imagine it it's it's really ugly my island looks like trash right now, but I need it for just my rocks to form a circle. So basically, um, to do this, anyone out there listening because they want to move their rock, what you have to do is you have to cover your entire island, any open space, except for whatever formation you want your rocks to be, and then eat a fruit and break a rock, and your rock will spawn in the open space. But this means that you have to cover any open space in your island. Unless there's like furniture there. But uh, rocks can also spawn near uh, flowers. So every square eat inch, cover it with a pattern. Eat a fruit and it will spawn a rock. Wow, we really, really, really need to eat a fruit. <laughs> break the rock and then the next day it will spawn. So on every island, there are six rocks. So I have to wait for six days to see if all my rocks spawn in this circle. Wow, wow. Hmm, do you think this is what apply in real life? Do you, tell me, tell me if you can eat fruits and break rocks to form a circle. I'm just wondering how you even break the rock in the first place. With a shovel. Ah, okay. Like, yeah, you, you whack the rock with a shovel. What do you mean break with your bare hands? Yeah, I, I was super, really thinking you. Superhuman strength. Okay, for everyone who can't see, um, Shen just made a biting action. So, um, you can't bite the rocks like an apple. Who does no, you that? Bite the, you bite the fruit, right? Yeah, but you... But why did you make that action for the rock? Because I'm just thinking... Like, I'm just thinking how the character would do it. And it's quite funny in my head. She's just breaking Sorry. the rock. Okay, I will, I'll send you a video later how I do it. Wait, wait, no, I can't. I don't have any rocks on my island. Yeah, you can oh, screen okay, record okay, on your okay. Switch. What? Wow, yeah. wow. Okay, anyway, I'm um, <laughs> extremely emotionally attached to my villagers. There's one villager in particular. His name is Lopez. He's adorable. Mm-hmm. He's, a, he's a dear villager. Mm-hmm. Um... I want to marry him. Okay, not really. That's problematic. That's a problematic thing. Yeah, that is. That is. That really is. (laughs) 
I will edit that out. But um, anyway, I love Lopez. He's like my favorite villager, and he's like a smug villager. So he's like, I'm so handsome and I'm so popular, and I'm just yes, Lopez. You you are so handsome and you're so popular. Anything you say, <laughs> I am slightly disturbed. Slightly, <laughs> slightly, just slightly. I'm not gonna lie. I didn't think you were into deers. I mean, okay, never mind. Oh. <laughs> No, I'm not. Do you know I have a friend who like from for one of her presentations, she did her entire presentation on furries. So she's so cool. She researched them. Um, I think she knew somebody who was into like furry culture. Wow. Her friend was a furry, is a furry, so like she interviewed them and stuff like that. That's interesting. Yeah, I mean I think I think her project was on those kind of obscure cultures. Actually, I don't know. I'm not sure. I can't remember. I have very short memory. Mm-hmm. No, that's all right. <laughs> I think we are used to it. <laughs> also, um, it's June, so Happy Pride Month, everyone. Mm-hmm. Yes. Thanks for bringing that up, Grace. Yes, of course. Um, whatever your gender or sexual identity, we are here to accept you and love you. Mm. We are all making hearts. Actually, it's just me. And Shen. <laughs> this is awkward. Okay, never mind. Okay, well, I'll move into my story since we were talking about eating rocks, fruits, your breaking story, rocks. Your story involves eating rocks? No, but it involves eating. Oh my god. Oh my god, okay, wait, oh my wait, god. wait, wait, is it, is it a cannibal? Yes. <gasps> oh my gosh. Okay, sorry, like, cannibal stories just, it's just, I, I don't know how to explain it, there's just something so interesting about them. Right? Oh. I love it because I watched um, this show called Hannibal. It's <gasps> probably one, one of my favorite The one shows. with Matt Mikkelsen? Mm. Yes, okay, look, I used to watch it, right, and, um... I watched it when it first came out and I remember telling all my friends, I was just like, guys, y'all need to watch this show. It's so good. It's very like art house cinema where it's, mm-hmm. it's full of metaphors and it's a bit... Yes. It's, it's full not, of metaphors. Yeah, it's not an easy watch in the sense where like you can just blindly watch it um, because Correct. there's a lot of symbolism and whatnot but it's just so good and... um, it's it's really strange because I could eat while watching this show and okay, um, people can't see but Shen is judging me. <laughs> I think the reason why I could eat is because when Hannibal cooks the meat, right, and cooks the food, um, it's it's done in this very like Visual Yeah, it's very visual. Very appetizing. Yeah, there's not yeah. no word to explain it other than atas. Yeah, but it doesn't look like human meat. No, it doesn't look like okay. Um, meat, but... I mean, how do you know how human meat looks like? Oh, <laughs> uh, I mean, uh, mm, mm, well, <laughs> time to get away from Shen. Okay, so there's this one like very famous sequence where he's laying out human lung, squeezing the air out of it, I and like, that. and like they shoot him from the back, and it zooms in and. He looks like he's doing CPR and then it moves over to the lungs and it's just it's just done so beautifully. And like the yeah. other thing that I can't stand about Hannibal is the fact that the stuff he cooks is very like your your kind of high-end restaurant kind of food. Yes, yes. I must feel so good. <laughs> As a cannibal, honestly. I wanna know what cookbooks he uses because um, the stuff he cooks is just they look so good but then at the same time you're like this yeah but Chris you would need a certain cut of meat <laughs> and I, I don't really think you have that cut of meat Stop. to cook <laughs> oh my god also like Hannibal uses this um, he has this little like spinning thing with name cards so that's how he picks his dinner oh. uh, the Rolodex yeah, yeah, the Rolodex. He just spins it and then he picks whatever and then that's his dinner yeah. for the day. Yes, it's so cool. Okay, I love Hannibal, but they removed it from Netflix, which makes me really, really sad. They removed it? Oh my. Yeah, oh, you can't get Netflix anymore. Okay, I don't know why though. This is going to be like a, a, a short dive into my past, but I used to have a Hannibal fan blog on Tumblr. Whoa. Time to go find it. What's I, it called? I don't remember. But I know it was centered on Will Graham because he was, he's just so baby, you know, in the show. Yeah, so don't search it up. And I wish Netflix still kept. Like, one th- I wanted to watch it recently, but I couldn't find it. So I was just like, okay, never mind. And I thank God I watched Finish all seasons before they moved it from Netflix. Yeah. Okay, but um, I didn't really like season three, so that's fine. I, I don't even remember what happened in what seasons anymore. I just remember, like, all the really cool ways of killing people. Like, the bee, the, the bee one, the fungus one, the mushroom 
mushrooms in the forest. Oh, that's episode season one, episode two. I until today, I just think about the mushroom. Right, just, and 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 the wing angel one. Wow, that one stuck with me. The wing angel one is so cool. Okay, I know that we're sidetracking from your story, but um, for context to everyone listening, the three of us started this podcast because we just enjoy true crime a lot. Mm. And I guess like ghost stories because um I think being Asian we have so many ghost stories. So mm-hmm. I just wanted to ask you like <laughs> what was the story that like like made you interested in true crime or the paranormal? Like us ourselves, like personally. Yeah, what was the story? I mean, there's definitely a story that made you interested. Mm, um, don't really have to think a bit for crime, but for like paranormal, I've always liked urban legends. Uh, yeah. like the, the the broken neck lady <laughs> I mean, oh. that one is more of like a story confession but like I mean Japan has like a lot of urban legends like wow yeah that yeah, has to yeah. do with like the spiritual realm so that is always interesting mm. yeah, I, even, I even had a few books about it oh wow I have a friend who has a book about summoning demons like the whole book oh I really do not want to be her friend <laughs> I'm a friend hello no then that's a bit that's a bit scary because it reminds me I once saw a person on the train reading a book on how to uh, conduct black magic spells I just was like whoa what? <laughs> okay wait yeah. I, I, I have a story about a colleague who who knew somebody who did black magic but this is a story for another day yeah I my grandfather did black magic Oh, so that was a bit scary. Yeah, his death was like, I think related to black magic as well. But that is also a story for another day. What was your story that made you interested in true crime or paranormal? I, I think for true crime, it was like Huang Na murder, you know, in Singapore. Because I read that when I was really, really young. Like when it happened. Oh. You know, the brutal murder of the girl. Um, And the murderer yeah, was like her. Yeah, the murderer was like her mom's friend at the market. Oh. Yeah. Okay, I'm not familiar with the story, but it's, Mm. Did CNA or something did a video about it? Okay, it was quite, it was quite a big thing because they really couldn't find um, they really couldn't find the murderer for some period of time. But turns out the murderer was like the clo- one of the closest person to the mom and daughter. Oh, that's crazy. Yeah, oh. yeah, it was. Mm. Yeah, so I remember reading that in the the newspaper when I was a young girl, and that really like, whoa, this is interesting. Yeah, but for paranormal, I think it's because of my mom. Cause like. I told you guys before that she had a third eye. So oh, I grew yeah. up with a lot of ghost stories. Like, every seven months, my mom would attempt to scare me for another ghost story. So... <laughs> oh my... It's fun. Oh my god. So okay. I grew up in an environment filled with paranormal stories. Oh, yeah. uh, okay. I think for me, my fascination with true crime came from, like, watching shows like Criminal Minds and stuff. Mm. Like, growing mm. up, I used to watch CSI so much. I used to watch CSI, CSI New York, CSI Miami. And, like, uh, New York and Miami were my favourite. Um, mm. And I think stories like Jeffrey Dahmer, Ed Gein, um, that, that story about the 14-year-old boy in Japan, that one I remember. I remember telling everyone about it, but no one heard of it before. And then recently, Honda sent it in our group chat. Mm. So those are the stories that mm. fascinated me. As for like mm-hmm. paranormal, uh, my mom used to work at a hospital. She was a neonatal nurse. So she took care of, um, yeah, she took care of uh, intensive care babies, like high-risk babies. And mm. like she used to tell uh, stories about uh, stuff that happened in the hospital. Mm. Yeah, so she's a... Yeah, hospital is quite... Yeah, I remember her saying that uh, apparently there's this one designated area where they buried people who died building the hospital. And she mm. said that um, I think activity there is very strong, so nurses and doctors just don't go to that area. But I, I don't know mm. how true these things are. I mean, with paranormal, there's always that element of, you know, trying to... Yeah. She, he said, she said. Yeah, he said, yeah. he said, so... Okay, so... I guess with that, I'll just start telling my story today. Okay. I'm excited. Yeah. I was damn excited when I found this story as well. I was like, whoa, this guy is so cool. Okay, anyway. So the story today I'll be telling about is Thailand's most infamous criminal, um, a cannibal. I might be butchering the name, the way to pronounce his name, but it's a Chinese name. So um, I'll go with Si Kui. That's, that's, it's S-I-Q-U-E-Y. And how... I think it's supposed to pronounce it Isigui, but I might be pronouncing it wrongly. 
So CK was a Chinese immigrant who relocated to Thailand in 1946. So this story is like way back, but it still um it still exists in like the stories today because it's like a a true story turned into like um a bedtime boogeyman story in Thailand. Oh. So it's like a story that parents tell their children about, and you'll know why soon. So um, but but so this, story, Chinese- this story did happen, right? Yeah, yeah, it did happen in and so it happened in the nineteen fifties to sixties. Okay, okay. And it, and it still happens today, and I'll tell you guys why in a bit. Yeah. Okay. So he was a Chinese immigrant, um, who relocated to Thailand in nineteen forty six. So really long ago. We're talking about seventy over years ago, 60, 70 over years. Yeah. So he became a gardener as soon as he was relocated to Thailand. So and and this is the important part. Like his his job is important. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So before before he was a gardener, he was a soldier who fought against the invasion of the Japanese during the World War Two. Mm-hmm. And this is somewhat important in later details as well. So in 1958, so this is about 12 years after he arrived in Thailand. So he's been doing gardening for quite a while. So on a Monday afternoon, decades back, um, an eight-year-old boy went to buy some vegetables for his family to cook dinner from a local Chinese gardener. <gasps> okay. Mm-hmm. He never returned. Oh, shit. Naturally, his father went to search for his missing son in the woods near their home. Because, you know, back then, um, the way they lived is, you know, there's no, there's no concept of city, especially in places like Thailand. So this was like a, a province in Thailand. It's called the Patrak Kari Khan province, which is very far from, like, for example, from what we know, like Bangkok. So Bangkok is like more of you know, the city. So this is like more of the rural areas. Mm-hmm. So I would guess in the 1950s, it's also a, a bit more, you know, just open land, um, not a lot of constructed land. So naturally, his father went to search for his missing son in the woods near their home because they thought their son got lost in the process of buying the vegetables. So um, he actually got him and his friends to, you know, go and find his son to get him because it was getting dark soon. Mm-hmm. So... He he went and walked in the woods and he saw Sikwe, which was the gardener. So the dad was like, oh, okay, at least he's here. He could see my son. So um, maybe he'll ask some questions. So the father was very relieved to meet the gardener, who his son was supposed to meet. And the father hoped that Sikwe would be able to provide some form of information regarding his son. Um, since he was the last person that his son has was supposedly supposed to, you know, meet and buy vegetables from. However, the scenario which he was looking at uh, Sikwe was that Sikwe was in the woods, but he was burning something. So his father was wondering, you know, there was that sense of relief, but also that sense of what is this guy burning in the middle of the woods in, you know, an afternoon. It's always so, not good when someone is burning something in the middle of the woods. Well, mm. I thought about that as well, but he is a gardener, so like, he could be burning wood. But why, but isn't that the job of a lumberjack, for example? Gardeners, why are they burning things in the woods? I don't know if the concept of, of lumberjacks existed back then, or okay, whether but- it was like, Lumberjacks are basically people who cut down trees and like turn wood into furniture. Okay, I don't know about the wood into furniture thing, but I know they cut down trees. It's just <laughs> okay. It's just a, it's suspicious that there's this gardener burning something in the middle of the woods. Like it's just weird. Yeah, I thought it was a synonymous thing, so I didn't really think about it that much. But yes, of course, the father did think it was weird. So you know, he went to see what secret was burning. Um, and like at the corner of the little like bush that he was burning was a small lake. So he saw a small lake. So the father was, you know, obviously from any relief that he had from seeing the gardener, it turned into horror. So he actually rushed to, you know, stomp out the fire and uncovered the half-burned boy of his son beneath the charred leaves. So yeah, the father and his friends then attacked Sikwe and held him down until the police arrived. That was how he was caught for his, you know, the mother. That was in 1958. In the next few days, the story actually hit the front page of newspapers across the country. Um, Sigui had already confessed to killing his son and ripping out his intestines. Oh. But that wasn't the worst. Wow. <laughs> so investigators um, actually, you know, back then I would imagine that how they keep records would be very different, you know. How nowadays you can just go on the internet and search up for similar cases. So I think 
the way he killed was so particular and so gruesome that it was it was like a it's like a serial killer hallmark like the way he he, he kind of like ripped out the intestines and stuff like that so the investigators actually noted that you know there were five other children killed in 1954 1955 and 1957 what were the age groups of these children they were all below 12 so the youngest being five and the oldest being 11 oh no oh my god yeah yeah so so he killed an 11 year old um it, 11 year old in May 1954, a 6 year old in 1954, a 7 year old in 1955, 10 year old in 1955, and 5 year old in 1957. Um, yeah, and all these victims were actually ethnic Chinese, which, you know, he was ethnic Chinese. So he actually told the investigators that he cut up his victims because he liked eating their organs. His favorite, guess what's his favorite part? Like to eat. Uh, I know serial killers with me. Liver. Okay, I, I know serial killers like to eat like the butt. Okay, no, no I'm gonna go on a whim and I'm gonna mm-hmm. say penis testicles. Yeah, I didn't want to no. say that, but yeah, maybe. No, it's not. Okay. No. Uh those were awkward. He killed male and females. Okay. Stomach? Huh? Head. Mm-mm. Brain. No. Huh? He liked eating the heart the most. Oh Jesus Christ. Because he said the texture was the best. Why? Yeah. Jesus. I don't know, man. I have never tasted a heart, but yes. So he actually ate all their hearts, I mean, except, except one, because her heart was too small for a hearty meal. So he died on her gullet instead. I'm dying at the part. The heart was too small for a hearty meal. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, shit, dude. Oh, my God. Yeah. So... But on, is there like a spiritual reason? Yes, I'll get to that. Oh, so, okay. He actually, apparently, he actually once met a Chinese hermit who advised him that eating children's intestines would grant him supernatural powers. What? And you know, mm. it, you know, in the past, I would think that many people believe this Chinese hermits. Like, because like, even my mom goes to like these Chinese hermits to get advice on life. So I think he was really caught up on like the fact that he could get supernatural powers. And he also selected children because they were easier to entrap and kill. You know, because you don't have to deal with the struggling part. But he's also a really small, like scrawny man. Oh, like really okay. skinny. So, so I guess that's also why he chose children. Yeah. So, you know, on Secret's personal account, he was working in the orchard when the son came to buy vegetables from the, the first case that he was caught. Mm-hmm. So he actually stabbed the boy in the throat, washed his body, cut out his liver, heart and kidney. He stored the organs in his kitchen cupboard for later consumption. And he was caught just as he was burning the body to cover up his crime. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. So... So he was eventually sentenced to death by firing squad in 1959. And after he was killed, uh, a medical school actually asked to use his body for autopsy study. And then after that, his body was embalmed and put on display with the label Cannibal at the Siraj Medical Museum, aka the Museum of Death, which still exists today. Yeah, and the bullet hole left by execution remains visible on his corpse till today. Um, yeah. And to today, his confessions of killing the children and, you know, the huge media coverage over such, you know, a scary man has kind of enshrined him as the most notorious killer in our history. Where every child from that point would grow up, you know, knowing his name as the boogeyman um, who will, you know, come after them in their sleep if, you know, they don't sleep early and stuff like that. Yeah. But I think when I was, you know, looking up on this story, it's also really interesting um, that, you know, in 2019, which was about a year ago, the label of his cannibal has been heavily petitioned to be removed and it succeeded. So the museum actually removed his label as a cannibal. Wait, why did they petition against it? Is it because of... Why though? Yeah, why? Because I think this case is super popular in Thailand, but the problem is that this case happened in the 1950s and like a lot of people doubt that um, he actually killed so many people because like I said before, he was a really skinny and scrawny man. So like a lot of people believe he couldn't have killed so many people and like there were a lot of personal recounts on how he was a nice person as well. So like friends and family didn't believe that he would be capable to kill and mm-hmm. he was only caught for one murder but they believe that the police could have pressured him to confess for the other murders so that means that the actual serial killer could be out at large like it was just convenient to make him the scapegoat of the, the crimes since he was caught killing one but he actually admitted to all but yeah a lot of people believe that um, mm-hmm. he was probably forced back then because you know police 
inter- interrogation methods were much different then, and I, I'm sure violence could have been used and stuff like that too. So yeah. the, the so what this means is there wasn't enough physical evidence to link him to the other murders, is it? Yeah. It was just the type of the way that, you know, the children were found without their insights. Oh, so it just so happened to meet mm. the MO of the the child he was caught burning. Correct. Correct, yes. Oh. So yeah. I I think it's because, you know, back then, so I think they would have been very driven to find like somebody to put the name to all these murders because they couldn't find the murderer. And yeah, it was yeah. just for the convenience that he had killed a child and like eat, eaten the child's like, you know, so like it was very convenient to kind of pinpoint him. But you see, the thing is like when I was doing my research also, you really couldn't find like that the police had any like factual evidence to link. And I probably say because this case happened like years and years ago. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Which which made me really think like um, which begs the question like to me of whether a criminal or like a cannibal can remove their own labels after committing such you know a heinous crime just over the years, because people actually there were over like ten thousand people who signed the petition to the museum to remove his label as a cannibal, and these are people who have never met him before. Interesting. I wonder what the families of the victims felt. I'm sure I'm sure they would have yeah. point, pinpoint him as well. Because like he already killed one child. So it would not be surprising if he were killing other children as well. And and the problem was because also like like um because these murders that he, he actually did, there wasn't much information on like the actual information of each murder because these are children we're talking about. So I think their names and like their information and how their murders were conducted were kept confidential as well to you know protect them so yeah, definitely but um like there were people who testified because they were they were killed in different provinces and it just happens that secret was in these provinces and there were people who could testify seeing him or seeing him with their children before the children were missing mm. yeah so i think that's how the police also mm. came to the conclusion that he was the murderer but you know um he wasn't really given a chance to, you know, share his story. He was killed, I think, like nine days after he was put on trial. Oh wow! Yeah. That's so, too <laughs> I, I I think it's also because that's a lot of children that he had killed, and it's really scary. And if you don't like put like something, you don't kill somebody who has committed so many crimes. Mm-hmm. Like people wouldn't feel safe, especially like living back then. Um, I'm not. I'm just assuming that how um, execution methods would have been like received by the public eye. And I just don't think that it's more of like a, you know, like now we have like activists that go like, you know, um, no, no firing squad, mm. no electric chair and stuff like that. But then I think back then, people cared more about their safety because they didn't really have anyone to protect them. So I think that's what the people wanted as well, to remove somebody who was killing children and eating up children's insides. Yeah. No, but like, if they think they caught like the wrong person, like I wonder if there was any like similar like child killings after. Oh, there wasn't. Oh. Yeah, because I remember like statistically, the most oh something just fell. Yikes. Um, statistically, um, the most how do I phrase this? Eyewitness accounts basically are the most uh, unreliable. Exactly. Yeah. But he also did confess at trial. Yeah. He, he he told the investigators. And I think the thing is because he could tell the investigators like what insights he ate of these children. Also, so specifically. Mm, like, you know, because he went only for a very specific... He, he didn't go for the outer body parts. Like, mm. He went for the innards. And... And to think about it, his motivation was mainly because a Chinese hermit told him that eating children's intestines, you know, will grant him supernatural powers. That that's actually what he told the investigators. That's why he he chose to kill children. Yeah, but that's the part that I find very interesting. Just because of this Chinese hermit that told him mm. he'll get powers, like what did he think? Why was he so interested mm. or desperate for powers? You know what I mean? I think because he was also um kind of like an I think I think other than from this Chinese hermit thing, it's also because he has tasted human meat before. But though this is not like confirmed, like there are some places like I, I didn't say this fact because like there were some places that um said that he confessed to it, and some places that said that he didn't. So basically, bef- 
he was, you know, a soldier who fought against the invasion of Japanese. And back then, I think the times must have been tough. So he was, he told the investigators he first tasted like blood when he was, you know, a soldier and he had to eat like his comrades to survive. Oh, Jesus. So, um, so I think that's where he started, you know, liking the case perhaps. And then after that, when a Chinese hermit reaffirms him that eating, you know, inerts can give you supernatural powers, then he'll think that, you know, he's capable of doing that. And it's like, it's not out of his reach. But why children though? Is it because it's, it was easier for him to overpower them or children's um, organs, I don't know, has some sort of useful quality and enhances the magic or whatever. I, I think he selected children because they were easier to kill. But I also think that, like, um, okay, not that I should know this, but, like, children represent some form of, like, youth. And, like, yeah, yeah, in yeah. a lot of, like, Chinese kind of, like, demonic shows where the demons eat children, it's mostly because they have a lot of energy in them. So eating them gives you the energy that you have lost while growing. Oh. So it makes you younger. I see, I see. Yeah, it's, it's just like, I think it's just like when like female demons eat like human male, it's like they get the male energy, like that strength. Yeah. So I think in this part, it's like consuming youth to get back your youth. Especially since he lost so much of his youth mm. fighting the war. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Yeah, that, that makes so, sense. I assumed also that it was a sort of like emasculation thing because he said he was short yeah. or something. So I thought maybe he wanted to magically seem more manly. I don't know. The male psyche is yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I just think it's really interesting. I wish Singapore had a cannibal. Like, I would be scared, but it's so cool. Like, I think the minds of how a cannibal works is so interesting. Like, the motive is very specific. I feel like there was a cannibal case in Singapore. Is it the Chashu Pao one? Chashu Pao. There were a few. Oh, wait, no, there is. It's a, it's a, it's a, it, there's a church one, right? It, actually, I don't think it's a cannibal thing. Yeah, it's a church one. They they cooked and put them in food. Biryani. Was it biryani? Curry. Oh, and curry, curry. Curry and they fed yes, people. Yes. No, but I think oh my that, God, yes. I think there was another one. Um I think Chashu Pao. I think there's also the Chashu famous Pao. Topayo murders. Yes, yes, correct. That one was linked to religion as well. Yeah, I can't remember if they cannibalized because I read their case like a very long time ago. I think there was some form of can- I think there was some form of cannibalism there, so Yeah, correct. It was also on the the also on the on a similar motif where you kill just to get like some form of like power. Power, yeah, some supernatural yeah. element to it. I remember there was this show called Point of Entry. Okay, I know I've talked so oh, much. Oh, I watched this. Oh. I have talked so much about this episode because I remember when it came on TV, I was like, I have never seen a Singaporean show like discuss cannibalism. Okay, not discuss cannibalism, but basically show cannibalism. But I remember this episode so well. I think it was season two, the last two episodes finale. Okay, so the episode starts off with this guy walking his dog and his dog like... uh comes across a bunch of bones. And I remember the one of the what are they called? The autopsy people, the coroners. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Those autopsy coroners, people. Right. We see they come down to, to 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 see the crime scene, right? He picked up a mm. bone and he was saying, um, these bones are yellow. Uh the only way they can be yellow is if they were boiled. And mm. then um I think they found out that there was so so the bones belong to a young boy, a, a small boy. And then, uh, I think they found, I can't remember if it was a cold case or something, but there was another one that had a similar MO. And then they found this guy who, his house overlooked the playground where these two young boys disappeared. So that's how they pinned it on him. Wow, interesting. So basically, this guy's backstory was, um, I can't remember what happened, but he got angry at his sister for something and he butchered her. And killed her, and oh. his father walked in. Oh. Yeah, his father mm. walked in, and um, the father had a heart attack. So basically, he cooked and killed. He killed and cooked both his mom and sister. And I remember there's. I have watched this. I have watched this. Yeah, yeah. So I remember very clearly. There's this one scene towards the end where, like, this lawyer goes to his house because um a bunch of shenanigans happen, and she goes to his house to apologize or something, uh, and. He basically tells her that, oh, you know, you remind me of my sister. Now you can be a part of me, like my sister is a part of me. She'll always be a part of me. And I remember watching that and I was like, holy shit. So cool. It was so cool. And 
it was even cooler because I've never seen a Singapore show talk about cannibalism. Mm. Interesting. Mm. I think I love cannibalism because my mother has always used cannibalism to scare me since I was a child. <laughs> like, oh I don't know if this, like, Chashu Pao thing was in Singapore or if it was in Hong Kong, but it's probably between the two because that's where Chashu Pao's are most famous. I but... feel like I heard it in Hong Kong. It's the one where... Okay, wait, no. I'm mixing it up with another story. He, Never mind. He cooked... He cooked people and served it. Like, and he was like known to be one of the best at Chashu Pao. But it was... And like, the meat was really tender and stuff like that. So there were a lot of people giving compliments. But turns out it's human meat. So my mom will always tell me that if I don't behave, she will cook me and eat in the Chashu Pao. <laughs> oh my god. Wait, but... um, I remember there's this one Japanese serial killer. He kind of got away with cannibalizing women. But remember him saying that human meat tastes like tuna? What? Honda, yeah. I don't know if you've heard of it. Yeah, I remember him saying it, human meat tastes like tuna. Like canned tuna? Or... I, I wouldn't think... know. I don't really eat tuna. Yeah, that's like... <laughs> yeah, what kind of tuna? <laughs> I don't know. That's what he said. I remember I remember this. Because like, like the English tuna and Japanese tuna is different. Maybe Japanese mm. tuna? Because he was from Japan? I don't know. Yeah, but I remember him... <laughs> like he, he cannibalized. But I think he... He ate, like, the butt meat, meat on the butt. Because I know a lot of killers, they go for those areas. Like Why? But I, I don't know. Why? Wouldn't they, they be, like, the more fatty areas? Yeah, I think, I think <laughs> no, it's because no. it's fat. Uh, you know what? I could be wrong. I could be wrong. I, I don't really want to know. I, mm, but I kind of also want to know why and how... Okay, you know, I'm not going to say this on a podcast, but... <laughs> Wait, what are you going to I say? Know how, I want to know how human meat tastes. <laughs> Shit. You know what? I will, <laughs> I will give my good friend, Hannibal Lecter, a call. Um, <laughs> and I will ask him, uh, what does human meat taste like? <laughs> ah, so cool. Oh my god. <laughs> does it taste like tuna? Bye, Shen. I don't know you anymore. I don't Bye. Uh, sorry, Shen. Even though this is our second episode, um, we have to kick you off the podcast. <laughs> yeah, that was my story. So that was your story. That was that was creepy. That was good. That was good. It's a it's a story I'll tell my sister someday. Stop bullying your sister. Oh my Traumatize your sister. Okay, do you want to tell our <laughs> listeners how old your sister is? My sister is five. Yes. Um. <laughs> Stop bullying your five-year-old sister. No, but it's just like a, you know, behave yourself. It's not. Chashupao. It's not. Yeah, maybe I should use that against her. Stop. Okay. Shen, like, scared her younger sister with a cockroach two years ago. Three years ago. And... Two years ago. I feel... Every time I watch that video, one, it's hilarious. Two, I understand the trauma. <laughs> you know what's scarier to me than ghosts and um killers? Bugs. Bugs are scarier than those for me. I just yeah, cannot... What about house lizards? Okay, listen. So it's a yeah, I was gonna it's a tier system, okay? So the most <laughs> terrifying thing in the world to me, lizards, followed by bugs. Then mm-hmm. Ghosts and killers. Interesting to know the rankings now. Okay. I think it will be very useful in the future. Um, it's it's ranked that way because I'm more likely to run into a house lizard than to run into a serial killer. So Okay, that's that's true. I <laughs> don't count on the lot. <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> touch wood, touch wood. Touch wood, touch wood. I touch wood. My desk is made of wood. I'm just touching every part of it right now. <laughs> you know, I remember there was this one day where I wanted to search up like the fear of insects. So I googled it. But every single website that was giving information about the fear of insects had close-up images of bugs. <laughs> and I was so triggered by it. Like genuine triggered. Genuinely triggered by it. Like my hands were shaking. And I was like, why would you do that? Why would you put pictures of bugs on a page talking about the fear of bugs? Right. It's just counterintuitive. I'm here to find out more about my phobia and you're triggering me with insect pictures. Like, I don't want to know what lenses like up close, okay? I don't want to see those beady eyes and those like clawy claws or whatever. 
Oh my god, speaking of praying mantis, one flew into my house last night. Okay, set your whole house on fire. You gotta throw the whole house away. <laughs> you, I'm so sorry, no, Hunter. they eat bugs for you. I, I don't want them to eat bugs for me. I don't... <laughs> uh, you know, every time... you're looking around. Are you I trying am, to find a house lizard? Every time <laughs> I enter my bathroom, I look around before entering because there is no way I'm entering this bathroom without checking. In case, like, a, a lizard pops out somewhere, I cannot, I cannot deal with it. Yeah, I can hear you scream all the way from where you live. Are yes. y'all ready? To be creeped out with some. Spooky... Are you ready to get creeped out by yourself? Okay, listen. I don't yeah, know. I think wh- you'll be scared most. I don't understand why I had to do why I have to do paranormal stories, knowing that I am scared of all these ghosts and demons and whatever. To everyone listening, I don't watch horror movies. Like I refuse to watch it because I'm. Are you serious? Yes, seriously. Zero? I refuse to watch horror movies. Oh well, it's I so guess it's understandable though. as well. Um, just scary. Do you know my when my mom was pregnant with me, she watched The Exorcist. Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, why did I come out being so frightened of ghost movies? Because <laughs> your mom was super scared <laughs> when she was watching it. No, she wasn't. She really likes ghost movies and ghost stories. Whoa. And I'm here like... No, the exact opposite. Yeah, I'm, just, I'm. I'm literally just like keep that shit away from me. I don't want to engage. I don't want to know. All right, let's segue into my story. Mm-hmm. Okay, so my story takes place in Mexico. Does anyone? Okay. Want, does anyone want to guess what it could possibly be? Well. No. Demons. No. Okay, so... What's it going to do with the painted? Painted? Painted faces. Oh, you mean you're talking about I the sugar skull? Yeah, sugar skull. Yes, it's the exact term. Painted skull. faces? <laughs> I couldn't find the term. <laughs> <laughs> okay, it's it's not sugar skulls. So, this story takes place in the channels of Xochimilco south of the center of Mexico City. Mm-hmm. It's called La Isla de la Muñeca, mm-hmm. aka the Island of the Doll. Insert creepy uh, music. Uh, mm? <laughs> I think you've heard about it before, no? No, I think I did. No. Okay, Shan hasn't. BuzzFeed Unsolved covered it, like a very short segment on it. Oh, no wonder. Okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, if you go to this island, you'll notice that it's just covered in dolls and they've been there for so long that the dolls have all broken and deteriorated, which adds to why it looks so creepy. Because nothing is creepier than an old and neglected dolls. And I think the thing that makes this um, place even more creepy is the fact that there's so many of those baby dolls. The ones you buy mm. for like children, but they're just hanging there. They have no clothes. Some of them have like no arms or legs and have like no eyeballs. And they just, mm-hmm. they just look so bad and rancid and it's disgusting. But like, but, why would you buy that for your child in the first place? <laughs> I don't know. A lot of, I mean, a lot of young children want that baby doll. It's it's very popular toy. Well, I don't know. It looks disturbing. <laughs> yeah. Many does. people look like dolls. My my grandmother has this cupboard in her living room that is just full of dolls. Just mm-hmm. full of it. Oh. And it's creepy because uh some of my dolls are in there, like when I was growing up. Yeah, she kept some of them. But it's just it's just like hundreds of dolls. Okay, not hundreds, I don't know. It's just a lot of dolls. Oh <laughs> she has those like big ones where do you know those like kissy face dolls? It's like a boy and a girl and they Inclined to Oh, her. yes, yes. Yeah, she has those. She has Barbie dolls. She has those Disney baby dolls and stuff. And it's just full of it. Mm. And I was just thinking, imagine walking by that in the middle of the night. Mm. You're going to get so creeped out because of all these dolls looking at you. Okay, mm. so this island was previously owned by this man called uh, Don Julian Santana Barrera. Uh, Julian was a recluse. Ooh. Yeah, 
Julian was a recluse who left his wife and children to go and live on this island in solitude. So some sources actually say that um, he had these insane religious beliefs, which was why he was cast out of his hometown. And some say that uh, he, he was sort of a madman. But I could only find this from one source, so I don't know how true that is. Um, so according to the mm. legends, um, a young girl was found drowned in this kennel. Like she was found, her body was found entangled among the lilies of the kennel. So, uh, yeah, apparently three girls visited visited the island, and one of them tragically drowned and lost her life. And she was found on the banks of the Santampa Chinampas. I'm sorry if I'm butchering the pronunciation. <laughs> yeah. So because Julian was the caretaker of the island, allegedly he was the one who found her body. And apparently he was so overcome with grief and guilt because he was unable to save her. Uh Shortly after he found her body, Julian actually found a doll floating in the canal. So he picked up the doll and he hung it on a tree as a sign of like respect and to honour the girl. Yeah, uh, people believe that, I think he believed that this doll belonged to the girl. Mm-hmm. Personally, it's just a bit ominous to have mm-hmm. a doll float by after this girl dies. I just, I don't know. Yeah. So, um, alright, so during my research, I went to rewatch the BuzzFeed Unsolved video because nothing is more fun than watching the ghoul boys. So, uh, during, in this video, Ryan, basically, he presents three different theories as to why Julian began to hang dolls um, on the island. So, the first theory is he did it to honour the girl's spirit. The second theory was he did it to appease her spirit and protect himself in the island from, you know, um, demons and evil entities. Mm. And the third one is he just did, um, he just hung the dolls to protect the girl's spirit from demons and evil spirits. Oh. Yeah. So in a way, I that think... interesting. Yeah. So in a way, I think he believed that the girl, girl's spirit got attached and lingered on the island. I think that's probably... Probably. That's that's probably the case. Maybe, maybe. Because um okay, so after after basically finding the girl, hanging the dolls, uh he began to experience some strange things. So sometimes Julian would hear a girl's voice cry out, I want my doll. Mm. Yeah. I, I really am scared. I'm gonna turn on the lights and see. <laughs> Throw out all the dolls in your house. Take them and throw it out. Burn them in the woods. Set them on fire in the woods. Where people will find you and be like, what goes on? Okay. Um, Julian would also hear whispers, footsteps and anguished wails. Um, He lived in the middle of nowhere because he lived in this island literally in the middle of nowhere. So he was so far from civilization. So there's no way where these sounds could be from other people. So definitely they were from something super natural. Dun dun dun. Mm. <laughs> uh, Julian mm. believed that he was haunted by the spirit of the young girl, so he began to hang more dolls in an attempt to please her spirit. But instead mm. of appeasing her spirit, um somehow hanging the dolls only seemed to increase her activity. Uh so personally I think that the girl's spirit was feeding off the dolls. I think it's one of those things where the more you offer a spirit, the stronger they get. That, that's mm. my theory. Mm. Yes. Right? Because yeah. instead of doing something to keep her away, he's doing things to keep her on the island. Mm. And keep her presence even stronger. Yeah, keep her presence even stronger. I personally feel that for him to have to appease a spirit and the fact that she's disturbing him, Somehow her tragic death must have meant that she didn't pass on. So she she must have. I mean, okay, please don't attack me, spirit of the ghost. <laughs> Even though I'm oh on the way here in Singapore, it's like more than a 12-hour flight. But I think she must have turned into like an evil spirit. Mm. 
I mean, I don't know. I don't know much about Don't Okay, you know, I, I know quite a fair bit, but am I? Um, Julian realized that the dolls were actually possessed by spirits of dead girls. So he would... Um, yeah, so he would start collecting dolls that he would find in canals. Um, he would even go scavenging in trash cans, garbage dumps, to find more dolls just to bring back and hang on his island. In fact, Julian went so far as to... He would trade his agricultural agricultural crops, anything he grew, he would trade it for dolls. Yeah. And the only time um, Julian ever left the island, because he was a recluse, right? The only time he ever left the island was to go and trade to find more dolls. So he began to obsessively collect dolls and hang them all around the house, um, all around the island. And if you actually look up pictures of the island, which I recommend you do, but just don't do it like me in the middle of the night. Um, if you look up, yeah, if you look up pictures, <laughs> yeah, if you look up pictures of the island, you will see that they're like strung up around the island. It's mm. inside of houses they're put on trees there's this one really creepy picture of like there's this one tree branch and just like this baby doll's head on it oh my god yeah it's everywhere um i would not want to go it'll be quite scary it's it's really creepy it's very very creepy um so the thing is when julian found these dolls he never made any attempt to fix them or clean them up so if he found a doll that was extremely dirty or had like an eyeball missing or like was broken mm. he would bring it back as it was and he would just hang it as it was okay yeah which also i think adds to why the island is so creepy because i think some of the dolls were just damaged to begin with and other dolls okay. become damaged over time uh. yeah okay. so uh he would keep cabins full of dolls he would dress them in headdresses sunglasses and put clothes on them That's for 50 years i think um, Julian collected thousands of dolls and built shrines around the island as a memorial to the drowned girl. Uh, wow. I don't know if it's thousands of dolls though, but I I mean, I didn't sit to count them, but apparently it's thousands of dolls. At first, it sounded out as like, the article was like hundreds and then thousands, and I was like, right, many dolls. I think over time, people would visit the place also, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It became a tourist uh, destination. Yeah. Would they bring dolls? It's like an every like four star review. <laughs> wow. Okay. Wow. <laughs> it's crazy though. Okay. Uh, people believe that the dolls would actually come to life at night. Uh, mm. Which I just <laughs> I don't want to be there. I was just thinking about um this story about where my sister and cousin. So my cousin had a baby alive doll. And one time my sister oh. and like the both of oh. them were playing in her room and the baby alive doll started making sounds and moving. Uh-huh. But the thing is it oh was no one touched it. It just started moving on its own. And I was And the, and the song is usually Baby Alive, a baby song real. <laughs> no, but this, okay, so the thing is right, this doll doesn't sing that song. It just started like crying. Oh shit. Oh, <laughs> They ran out of the room so quick. It's <laughs> funny. Oh my god. Okay. Uh, so, yeah. People believe that the dolls will come to life at night. Um, people also believe that Julian's obsession with collecting dolls came from an unseen force. Some believe that it was actually the girl's spirit that pushed Julian into this bizarre habit of collecting and hanging these dolls. So I think... Yeah, it probably was an obsession he grew, right? Yeah, so I think maybe the girl not only latched onto the island, but she must have latched onto him as well. Mm. Also, yeah. this is a PSA to everyone. Don't feed spirits. Just just don't. <laughs> and don't buy dolls. <laughs> and don't buy dolls. That doll in your house, throw it out. Take it and oh, just... I have one. Honda, time to toss it out. And it's those, like, Japanese dolls. Ah, I see. Um, lock it away. Yes. Put it in the... <laughs> this part of your storeroom and just never touch it ever again and there's a, like an urban legend that it's the hair grows stop it oh god it's <laughs> no. a bit scary this is not those barbie rapunzel dolls where like you can pull the hair and it lengthens and then you pull a string do y'all have the did you did y'all have those dolls 
No. There's this Barbie Rapunzel uh, no. one where like you could pull her hair and it will grow and then there's a string attached oh to her God. and you pull the string and then it becomes short. Okay, never mind. Okay. So, in 2001, Julian's nephew, Anastasio, came to visit him and plant some pumpkins. When I was reading this, I was like, that's so wholesome. Came to pumpkin. plant pumpkins. So, on the 21st of April, they set out fishing together in the morning on the banks of the canal and apparently, Julian began to sing. He told Anastasio that he was singing to keep the spirits of mermaids away because they were calling out to him to follow them into the water. Mermaids? Yeah, um, what? Isn't that the job of siren? Where did they come from? Yeah, where did they come from? Oh, so they sang a siren song to them. <laughs> you know, but it's quite funny because Julian was singing to them. So it's reverse sirening so he was singing to combat their singing okay but also okay never mind mermaids and sirens are different things though okay i could delve into mermaid and siren discourse forever but never mind so uh anastasio was like okay because uh hulan was just singing and he didn't think much of this uh oh my god i think at this point anastasio must have disembarked on the boat they were on because um he went back to planting pumpkins. So it's just like planting pumpkins. Uh, for like I think he left uh Julian for about an hour, slightly less than mm-hmm. an hour. Um, and when he returned, he discovered his uncle's lifeless body floating face down in the canal, apparently at the exact same spot where the young girl was said to have drowned. Oh my god! Oh man! Yikes! I have a bullet point here that says. Ah, I have chills. Oh my god. <laughs> I was doing oh this at midnight, dude, okay? And I had like a bunch of tabs open full of pictures of decaying dolls and I really just didn't want to look at it anymore. Oh, that's really quite... <laughs> Maybe we can visit the island together someday. I will... Oh my god. I will meet y'all back at the hotel. <laughs> right? I mean, I want to go to Mexico, but like, not there. Um. Yeah, I also want to go to Mexico. I said, I will meet y'all in the hotel. I refuse to go. Uh, apparently, Julian passed of heart failure, but many of the locals actually believe that the spirits lured him into the water, therefore killing him. Mm. I, I, I would think... I, I, I'm thinking something like that too. I just think it's really strange because he allegedly was found drowned in the same place where the girl was drowned. Mm. So the story has come... Full circle. Mm-hmm. Shen, can you draw a circle? No. Can you stop <laughs> mocking me for that? Wait. Hey, I was, Chris, you can't either. I can't, I can't draw a rectangle, so it's fine. <laughs> okay, I can draw a rectangle. But I was an art student. I took O-level art. <laughs> and I still can't draw a rectangle. Okay, never mind. Wait. No, you can't draw a straight line, I remember. I can't draw a straight line. <laughs> I can't highlight the straight line either. <laughs> I remember this. Oh my god, your highlighting was atrocious. Stop it. And I highlight like the entire Even with thing. a tablet. Even with a tablet. Oh my god. <laughs> my good notes doesn't even like recognize my straight highlighting. It highlights the diagonal. <laughs> Oh my god. Um, so people believe that Julian now wanders the grounds with the little girl. And in my mm-hmm. head, it's a wholesome thing. It's just this old man, <laughs> young girl, like walking around. Yep. Right? I refuse to believe anything sinister. Uh, yes. Also, because Julian at this point, I think he was about 80 years old. Oh, that's quite old. Uh, yeah, so he. Yeah, allegedly either died of heart failure or he got lured in by the spirits. Yeah, not gonna think too much about it or else tonight I won't be able to sleep. My sister's room I'll is like right next to mine. Yeah. You can go see me as well. Just hug her. Um, many believe that the dolls were inhabited by tortured spirits and actually conspired together to murder Julian. Others think it's an accident, mm-hmm. but you know, that's up to debate. Honestly, if the spirits conspired to kill him, that's just it's just really scary to think about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Julian's... Um, okay, so... Julian's nephew, Anastasio, is a ta- 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 caretaker. He's a caretaker of the island now, uh, where it's open to visitors, so y'all can actually go on a tour there if you want to. Um, um, I'll super- think about it. Yeah, superstitious travellers often bring dolls 
as offerings. Some of them have claimed to have heard whispers. Okay. Um, I was I stumbled across this blog where these two people actually they found like a broken doll beside the road, so they actually brought the doll to the island and offered and gave it as an offering. And I was just like, wow, y'all are so brave. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So Anastasio himself claims that the dolls can move their heads and communicate with each other. Oh my god. In the BuzzFeed video, they um I think it was Shane, can't remember, I have very short memory. They actually interviewed Anastasio <laughs> and they asked him who he believes haunts the island and Anastasio says this. He says the girl who died in the nineteen fifties, because at night you can hear a girl's voice and my uncle. When he was alive, walk to the cane. At night, oh you can hear the cane. Oh. Yeah. It's a direct quote. So, um, I don't know how to credit them. MLA, APA. <laughs> Credits to BuzzFeed Unsolved. Although the channel's name is now BuzzFeed Multiplayer. Um, multiplayer? Yeah, it's called Multiplayer. I don't even know. I mean, they, they left BuzzFeed. So. Yeah. Yeah, they left BuzzFeed. Yeah, I know. But I think they have a special contract with BuzzFeed or something. Maybe, maybe, maybe. Because I don't think they only can... Only for that. Only for that segment. Only for that segment, yeah. Because they're, they're doing it. They're still doing it. And I don't think if mm. they didn't have a special contract, they would be able to do it. Mm. Uh, you can visit the island today where there's a shed. Uh, Shane and Ryan actually go to see the shed and the shed is sort of turned into a shrine for the dead girl. And in, mm. in the shed, they actually have the mm. original doll there. Yeah, mm. it's quite funny in the wow. video because I think Ryan, Ryan has this like <laughs> tiny, this super tiny ass doll, and he's like, "Yeah, I'm gonna offer this." And he goes into the shed and, and tries to give it to the doll like, as an offering, but something falls and it completely freaks them out. Oh, and then no, after that, the, the the video just becomes this compilation of them noticing spiders everywhere. And I was like, you know what's creepier than the dolls? These giant spiders. <laughs> the spiders are as big as my thumb, okay? They're huge and disgusting. I was like, no, no, no. I think it's pretty normal to have that size spiders in that area. Yeah, but it's everywhere. They have to, like, bend and run to avoid spiderwebs in their faces. Mm-mm-mm. Oh, I hate that. When there's, like, a thread hanging and then you walk into it. Oh, my God, yeah. Mm. I'm very grateful Singapore doesn't have giant spiders because I cannot there imagine. Is. We have, we have. Just very little. Listen, we don't have those spiders. We have. No, we don't. We have. We no, don't. We don't. Yes. You see, I bring one that's like the size of my palm. Listen, if I tell myself we don't have those spiders, they don't exist. So mm, okay, sure, happy birthday, Chris. Chris. Anda, we know what to get her. Chris, Chris, let's go botanical gardens. Stop it. Okay, look. Let's go, Mary Chee. <laughs> spiders don't exist. <laughs> Lizards don't exist. Um, bugs don't exist. None of these. Oh my exist. god, they're all gonna appear in your house. Stop. <laughs> You better touch wood. <laughs> Touching all the wood. Yes. So, uh, you can visit the island today. Anastasia actually conducts tours. And that's the story of the island of dolls. So, yeah. if, if anyone wants to go there, um, apparently you can go if you just ask your hotel and say, hey, I want to go to the island of dolls. And it will set you up. Mm. Yeah. Interesting. You can check out TripAdvisor because there's a ton of reviews on the island mm. and a lot of people go there. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. Okay. I guess this is it for our stories today. Yeah. Before we go. Okay, so um, <laughs> before we end this episode, uh, we wanted to talk about something and it's I guess if everyone's watching the news now, you know what's going on in America. And we, as Hidden Among Us, think that it's important to bring to attention what is happening in America right now. Because keeping quiet is complicity and being neutral is siding with the oppressors. And I wanted to say that Black Lives Matter, for all mm-hmm. the black people in America, George Floyd, Amalaburi, Breonna Taylor, are some of the 
many that have been reported on the news, but there are countless others who have not. Um, mm-hmm. There is a need to recognize white privilege and police brutality and the ways these work together to further the oppression and condemnation of black people. And we're not just talking about African Americans, but black people all over the world because they face racism, marginalization, and mistreatment. We've been the importance of educating yourselves on black history and the trauma and injustice that have been enacted upon them for generations. They are a traumatized race who have to face these traumas and pain every day. This is a time to speak out against these injustices. Sitting back and doing nothing is complicity, and we don't want to just do nothing. Uh, sure, you can ask, why does it matter to you? You're from Singapore. It doesn't matter where I'm from to feel outraged and want justice. We could be from Mars, but we won't use this as an excuse to just do nothing. Mm-hmm. So, Hidden Among Us will be linking some helpful resources in the description of this episode, and we urge you to click on it and search it up. You also don't have to donate monetarily to the Black Lives Matter movement. There are YouTube videos online that you can watch without ad block so that the AdSense revenue go to the supported charities and causes. What I wanted to say is that Black Lives Matter and Hidden Among Us stands with you. Yes. That's right. So, if you enjoyed this episode and want to support us, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. It will be such a great help. You can also listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and whatever podcast platform you listen to. And you can follow us on Instagram at howpodcast. That's H-A-U podcast. Shoot us a message or send us stories if you like. You can also email us at hiddenamonguss3 at gmail.com. Do give us a follow. Thank you for listening and see you next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.